Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, and the rest of the Twinkle EYFS team as we talk honestly about our experiences as practitioners, teachers and professional nappy changers. Whether you're listening to increase your CPD hours or catching up on our antics whilst driving home from work, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello, wonderful listeners. I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm going to start it off with a shocking statistic. Okay, are you ready for this? How many male practitioners do you think are currently working in the early years in the UK? I'll tell you, it's only 3%. It's a shocking statistic, isn't it? So when I found this out, I thought, right, let's get to the bottom of this and let's interview some male practitioners who are in the field right now. So we've got five wonderful practitioners coming to speak to us on today's episode. But before we get there, it's time for another round of Only in the EYFS. So Katie, take it away. This week, in only in the EYFS. We've received breaking news from Amanda that her whole setting has gone barefoot because she's twisted her ankle and unable to wear one shoe. And now all the children have of course copied. It was clearly a smelly afternoon. Make sure to open those windows. Recent reports from Sally Walker's early year settings have shown that children have been kissing small world frogs multiple times. As it turns out, one child has told them if you kiss a frog, it turns into a prince. They must be hopping mad. We've received breaking news from a local school that a year six child has been counting loudly to five in the dining room, teaching all of their little friends about the five second rule. Lucky for him, dining room jams take five seconds to infect. That's it for this episode. Tune in next time for more antics in only in the EYFS. stories this week thanks katie okay amazing listeners we have just the most amazing guests here today i have been so excited to share this episode with you it's been under wraps for quite a while and we have amazing guest speakers all here to talk about their experiences as male practitioners and we have got five amazing guests so if we could take it in turns please 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 introduce yourselves why don't we start with matthew Hi everyone, I am Matthew Crouch. I am 30 years old and I am from the Lake District in Cumbria. I am currently an early years lead and I teach a reception and year one class. Amazing, amazing. Um, next, guys, just before we even like move on, listeners, there are four Matthews here. So please sympathise with me as I try and get everybody in. Okay, Matthew M, Matt M, we're going to call you for this episode. Introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Matthew Middleton. Um or Matthew M, whatever, edit that out later. Uh, <laughs> I'm 31, which I know I'll put on the promotional material 32 because I always think a year ahead. And I always think I'm 32 for the longest period, so that's that. Um, I live and work in the West Midlands area. I work at a private day nursery, oh. which is open all year long, oh. so I don't get half term off. Sore spot because the rest of us are currently in half term right now. Don't mention it, guys. Don't mention it. Um, Matt S, would you like to go next? Hey, I'm Matt Stevenson. I'm from the Black Country and I'm a reception teacher. I'm 30 years old. 
<laughs> it makes me laugh because before we started pressing the record button, we were all like chilling, chillaxing, relax. As soon as I press that button, you're all a, you're all a jamming up, guys. I'm not even thirty. I'm twenty nine. <laughs> oh my god. Sweating. <laughs> okay. Can I go again? Of course you can. Absolutely. <laughs> go, go, go. Do it. Hey, I'm Matt. Um, I'm from the Black Country. I'm a reception teacher, and I'm twenty nine years old. And I've got no sense of rhythm. Way, that was great. <laughs> I did say to the guys before we started uh, recording, listeners, that um, we're going to blow up on social media because of this episode. And uh, I'm, I'm betting at least one of us is going to get on Strictly. So hold me to that, guys. Oh, Matthew Crouch just literally just put his hand up. Oh, Matthew has got some confidence. <laughs> I'm going to beat you to that. I'm going on Dancing on Ice. Oh, gosh. No way. Not a chance. Not a chance. Anyone for I'm a Celeb? Anybody? Oh, yeah. I'd do, do I'm celeb. Mm. Oh, all right. Okay, you're mad. Um, how about Matt C? Would you like to go next? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Matthew Chaplin, or Matt C in this podcast, I guess. Um, I'm 18 years old and I live in the Northwest. Uh, I don't currently work because I've only just qualified yesterday, actually. Yeah. Yay! Congratulations! And, um, thank you very much. And I'm in and out of place, but currently I am at a primary school where I do go in now and then and just do my volunteer work um and that's about it yeah nice always good experience isn't it always welcome mm. to the education sector we hope you feel welcome <laughs> thank you <laughs> and last but certainly not least tom the only not matt apart from me i'm tom i'm also from the west midlands i've been teaching in school for four years i've been ta for three years i've been special support assistant for one year and I've just qualified, well, I've just passed my second year of uni working towards my teaching degree. Amazing. So as you can see, I'm just, I'm so proud that all of you have been able to, to come and talk to me today because you are all in different um, stages of the early years career. We've got people who are well established. We've got um, early years leaders. And we've also got people who are, are already or just well done graduating and have got new things to bring to the profession. And it's just amazing. Some of you have TA experience. Some of you got private nursery in schools. Like, I don't want to brag, but you kind of cover all the bases, which is amazing. So I'm just I'm so excited to have you on because you're going to give our listeners so much insight and especially into the world of being a male practitioner. This is why we are here today. Day, to get your experience because as everybody knows you know the education system is predominantly uh, female and we really wanted to raise male voices because you are so important to not just the early years profession but education as a whole so again thank you so much for coming and my first question would be what was your journey like um, in training to become an early years practitioner so who would like to kick off how was your training shall I go first <laughs> So I qualified as a TA at 16. Um, I started my first job at 17 as a level two teaching assistant, just working part time. And then I worked my way through up to level three. Then I did HLTA, did a foundation degree. And then I did a top up degree onto my foundation degree. And then I did schools direct. Yes, so did I. And now now a reception teacher. Amazing. That's quite a lot of... um education isn't it for yourself you've had to go through quite a lot of training yeah I didn't have the best time in primary school or secondary school so I I decided to do the work and get the experience whilst training so I worked all the way through training so I've had a full uh, 
permanent job since I've been 16. Did you enjoy it? So yeah I've really enjoyed it and it's given me a wealth of experience across different settings because I've worked in day nurseries and schools and after school clubs. Those are fun, those are fun. (laughs) They sure are, especially cooking club with 46. (laughs) Oh god don't don't that just I'm like sweating now that you've said that. Flour everywhere is all I'm thinking. (laughs) Um, I'll take the lead next. Go on. Um because I'd say mine's full of more drama than everyone else's, I'm going to say. Oh. So I started my training at 16. Um, did it through a lovely company, who I'm going to name in shame. <gasps> Performance through people training. Oh, oh, gossip, gossip. They told me, two years, get your level three. So I did my two years of sixth form. My training assessor, whose name escapes me now, or I would name her completely. End of the two years, she goes, yeah, you qualified your level three. Give it a month or two and you'll get all your certificates come through. And that was in like the September, November time. Come January, March, uh, January, February, I was like, oh, I'll phone them up, see where my qualification is. Phoned up the company and they went, what qualification? <gasps> I went, okay, so can I speak to my assessor? And they were like, yeah, she's left the company. <sighs> Blimey! And they went, can we get back to you? I was like, well, I should hope you do. They end up getting back to me. Yeah, we found all your paperwork and all your coursework. Um, it's no longer worth a level three because the criteria have changed. We can get it on a level two. <gasps> and I was like, okay, what does that mean for getting my level three? And they went, we can fast track you to get a level three. So you'll do your level two. We'll get you little bits you need to do to get it up to the standard of a level two to pass. That'll take a couple of months. Then we'll get you straight on your level three. Do your level three in a year. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. After a year of doing my level two, they went, oh, yeah, here's your level two. And they also promised me I could do it at the same setting because I found a lovely setting, um, Sunny Skies Day Nursery in Sandwell. And they were like, yeah, you can do it at the same setting. After the year, and they went, here's your qualification. You can't do it at the same setting, though. You know, you can't <sighs> oh, do the level three really? at the same setting. And when we inquired, well, I was like, because we're not allowed to. And... Um, because there was a child, uh, a children's centre next door, their management, can we have him here to do his level three? No, because it's the same building. And so, cool, had to then move on. Um, was on Job Seekers, found a course through the Job Seekers with Charlie Caterpillar's Day Nursery. That's name drop number two. And they, they will come back up, do not worry. Did my level three, and then I've just gone on working for a couple of nurseries over the years took about a year or two break in between to work in elder care and uh children in care but then now i'm back in good old early years right so does anyone want to uh, try and beat matt m's uh, story <laughs> i'll go next <clears throat> so i um started my sixth form journey <clears throat> with maths um further maths accounting and media And just, yeah, it didn't go so great because I spent too much time in the common room playing Chinese poker. I should do. Didn't revise, hadn't revised for my GCSEs, then didn't revise for my first set of AS level exams. Um, You, 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 you. So then I had to rethink, um, stayed on till the end of my AS levels, but dropped out after I'd done my exams then got a B, a C, a D, and probably should have just stayed on. Um, Worked full-time at Centre Parks, local to me, for a couple of years. That sounds like the dream. Yeah, it was good. 
yeah, a lot of perks. <laughs> and then um, decided that I wanted to go and do something and build a career. So I went to the local newspaper um, and did sort of a journalism work experience, realised it wasn't for me. Everybody had always sort of said to me, you'd be great as a teacher. And I was just like, no, I've got 15 nephews and nieces. I do not need to spend any more time with any children. <laughs> and then went and did some work experience, really enjoyed it. Um, so I went to the college local to me and did an access course um, so that I could go to uni. Ended up going to Sheffield Hallam University and studied an early years with QTS degree. Finished in 2016 and graduated. And then I got my NQT position in the May of 2017 to start in the September and I've been there ever since. I've I got a four-month uh, maternity job in reception. At the end of that four months, I then moved into year one um, to cover the teacher that had left. Then I went with that class up to year two, then I went to year five, then I went oh. back to year one. Um, and then this year I am in reception in year one and I've taken on early years lead as well amazing you've been on quite a journey sounds like a bit of a roller coaster yeah up and down and back again <laughs> there you go it always ends in early years though doesn't yeah. it don't, don't want to brag but it is kind of the place, Best to, be. place to be exactly exactly tom or matt c who's gonna go who's gonna do it um, mine's the most boring one so i'll let tom go first he wants <laughs> yeah, i'll start with my journey off uh well when i left school i went to college uh originally i wanted to do horticulture got to college changed it did photography dropped out after the first year got a job in a warehouse didn't really enjoy it and then my 18th birthday I got a phone call from my primary school they said we've got a job position can you come in for an interview uh, and at the time I was having my first tattoo done <laughs> so I literally had to go in for an interview with my arm cling filmed up couldn't take my coat off for the whole time uh, and yeah that's where the, the journey started so I was there for a year as a special support teaching assistant had to leave there after the first year because there was apparently no funding yet they replaced me with someone else the following September um, so I took a year out did some child minding from home whilst doing my level 3 TA course through De Montford College Completed that within five months, started volunteering at a new school. On my last day of volunteering, they offered me a job as a special support assistant. So I did that for a year, then COVID hit. Whilst I was off with COVID, I got offered a job promotion as a level two teaching assistant, where I worked across reception and nursery. Then last week, the week before, I got offered another promotion to be a grade three key worker in reception. Wow, okay, I'm gonna circle back. What was the tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a feather on my arm. Can, um, can we see, can we see? <gasps> Look at that! Oh wow, yeah. So not a small tattoo to cover then for your interview. <laughs> no, not exactly. Amazing. Uh, I've got, yeah, I've now got three tattoos which are always on show at work but they're really fine about it and I've got like four or five piercings yeah no I've got but tattoos yeah. as well so it's what it they're is they're pretty good yeah. right exactly. you're up now Matt you can't you can't hold yourself any longer <laughs> this is your I'm, I'm leaving now <laughs> <laughs> um I don't really know I think 
in year 10, when I was in year 10, we had a, we had to do some work experience. We were required to. And I just thought it'd be it'd be nice just to go back to my primary school where I grew up. Just why not? And I guess I, I really enjoyed that. And was only there for about a week. It wasn't even for long. So just that, that week changed the entire career path I was going to go for. Because <laughs> I think I was going to, I think in college I was going to decide to pick photography or something something different, completely different. And then, yeah, I started early years in college last year, 2020. It was a bit, it was kind of awkward. It was a bit of a, because we had lockdown as well. So I was one minute we were in, for months we weren't, and I couldn't do my work experience. I was missing out on that perfect, uh, that really well um, earned work experience that I'd need to proceed with my qualification. And uh, it was only by... We started in the September, it was only by March the next year I managed to, no, April, sorry, I managed to do my work experience, which I do enjoy now. I said a primary school that I went back at now, because I enjoyed that much, I thought I'd go straight back. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a year, uh, got my certificate, and then this year I did my level three diploma. Obviously I've achieved that yesterday, and I'm back at the same school again. Mm-hmm. I did nursery as well. But other than that, yeah, I'm enjoying the same placement, hoping to get a job there. And after that I'm going to be a uni too. Oh, and clearly they enjoy you. I hope so. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, well, you've been go- gone back three times. They're like, right, we'll have more yeah. of him. That sounds great. Back and forth. Uh, do you know what? It's so interesting to hear where we've all come from because I was expecting like so, at least more than Matt M to come straight from I want to be a teacher straight away. And like, because <laughs> that's not how I started either. Don't laugh at me, guys. All right. But um, I did want to be an actress on the stage. I can see it. And I did get there. Uh, what do you want to see it? I can see it. Is that a compliment? Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure it's like the theatrics, haven't you? Um, I'll take it as a compliment. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, like I got on there once. I was on the West End for a little bit. I was well chuffed. Um, but then I was like, oh, it's a bit of a, a bit of a scary industry to work in. And, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not the best looker in the world, so I'm not really going to get that far, you know. <coughs> Looks do matter when you're on a camera. Um, Don't be daft. Uh, oh, you're too kind. Thank you. <laughs> I've got one question. Oh, go on. When you were on the stage, was it um, the Lion King? <laughs> <laughs> Just because you said about your curly hair. My curly hair that I didn't actually tell anybody. You said it was like a lion's mane. <laughs> Actually, that was our previous chat before we started recording. Oh, yeah. no. Now you've just, you've just literally unveiled my secret to our listeners. Okay, I'm just going to put you on a certain list, Matsy. Oh, no, you're Matty. Oh. Sorry, Matsy. Yeah, it was definitely Matsy. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Matsy. <laughs> Guys, you're going to have to get used to me confusing everybody because there's just there's too many Matsy. Right, okay. So, so Matthew, Matthew, you're on my list. Thank you. If Matthew disappears <laughs> from the conversation, we know the assassins have been deployed. Hitman got him. Well, this is it. If you don't hear from Matthew afterwards, uh, don't come looking for me, is all I'm saying. <laughs> He's not back after half term. It was you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, serious editing is going to have to go now. Um, But yes, as I was saying, before I was so rudely interrupted, um, yeah, I wanted to be an actress. And I was like, oh, you know, performing arts school, things like that. And like, especially when you have to go into like university and college, like you have to do like auditions to, you know, like Central and Lambda and all the big drama schools. Got in absolutely none of them. Absolutely none of them. I was like, oh my God, what do I do? (laughs) And I was already volunteering um, at my local primary school as well, the 
primary school I went to when I was a little girl because I loved it so much and I just it was primary school was a really special time for me secondary school not so much um but I was like oh you know I and my mum worked in the primary school that I grew up in as well she's the business manager now shout out to mum making it big in the early as well um but yeah it was just I remember really one day being I think it was in the office like helping mum post letters or something and just seeing a little line of reception children going down to lunch and it was just this bing I want to be I want to do that I want to be with them and it was just that was it and that was amazing and 10 years later here I am doing a podcast about earliers but it's just that magic moment I think we've all had isn't it like oh actually this is really lovely um but I think the big difference between perhaps myself and you guys is it was probably a lot more natural and I probably had a lot more support in going into the early years career. Um, So I kind of wanted to ask what stigmas and discrimination have you faced, not just in perhaps maybe um, training and how, you know, and that, but also physically being in the classroom. How has discrimination that you have faced affected your job as well? I'd say toileting children is one of the main ones when people find out that there's a male working in early years and they're going to change their children mm. when I first started it was a big issue and um parents were going no we don't want them to change my child we want a female member of staff but I've always been supported by SLT to say no they're a male member of staff they're fully qualified they're DBS checked and everything like that so they've got the right to change the child just as much as a female has Absolutely. Has anybody else experienced that? I have. I have. Oh gosh. Okay. Share, share, people. It wasn't quite the same as Matt's, but um, like this year when I worked in nursery, we did have one child who would quite often have a bit of a bad stomach. So I always got the job of changing him, and the one day it was quite bad. Uh, he put his hands in it. It was at the wall. Um, Good job I had an apron on because it went on that. Uh, anyway, the long and short, I sent him home. And then when he got home, mum said, oh, he's absolutely fine. Why Why is, you know, Mr. Noakes trying to send him home? Um, does he even know what a bad nappy looks like? Does he even know how to change a nappy? Ooh. And so that caused quite a bit of uproar within the school. Um, and, yeah. How'd that make you feel? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't really bothered because uh, I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not stupid. I know what what looks normal, what doesn't. I'm not just going to send him home for the sake of it." Mm. And what about you, Matt S? You were talking about age there. What What do you think that's got to do with it? Because, like, listening to people's story, we all started quite young into mm. the profession, and people look at us and go, "Well, why are males this young in early years? They haven't." change nappies they haven't done this they haven't done that but to be fair we've done the training the same as everyone else so mm-hmm. we're as qualified as them so why shouldn't we be able to do stuff and like I started in early years quite young so they it was that that I felt as well like there was a lot of age bias from the parents going well I've got kids older than him mm. I think it's 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 interesting I've not personally from my setting, I've been there, it'll be five years in September and obviously working in early years, I've not experienced or have been part of any sort of um, judgment, stereotypes or anything like that that I'm aware of. Um, I think 
underlying sort of, there's always those things. And I think it was Tom had mentioned um, on his Instagram, actually, that he'd been on some training and he was one of the only few males there. And it was very similar when I was actually studying. It wasn't sort of a, an issue, but when I was doing my degree out of the two sort of groups of, of um, students that there was, there was about 50, there was about 25 in each. And across the 50, I think there was three or four males and the rest were all females. And it's just those sort of, why is that? Why is it that males are not coming forward to work in early years? And then you listen to stories like Matt S and Tom's. And why would you Why would you put yourself in that position if that's what's going to happen? Mm, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I've worked at um, a setting where their entire um, policy was that men do not change nappies. Oh, so it was actually in their policy. Yeah, basically, first day I started, um, there was another young gentleman who was doing training as well, and the guy was on the shop floor and telling us all this, went, yeah, you will not be changing nappies. And what was their justification? I don't recall correctly. Um, I believe it was just to basically mm. limit um, any allegations or complaints, but I feel like it was more the latter rather than the former. Wow. And it's the fact that your setting didn't didn't even support you either. It was even from the off. It was no, strictly no males and having a discrimination against you in policy. Did anybody ever challenge that? Um, well, as far as I'm aware, no, because when I started, there was a gentleman who was working there before. Then when I started, there was an older gentleman who started at the same time. So there's three gentlemen at the setting. None of us could change nappies. The one day one of the female staff asked me, I was like, Matt, would you ever challenge that? I was like, well, no, because in my eyes, I'm only doing my training. I might not be here after a year. I don't see the need to kick up a big foot and end, potentially end my training early and end up not getting my level three over something as trivial as that which younger me, it was in my head, I was just get my qualification done so you can carry on doing what you want to do. I don't think anyone ever challenged it because it was a case of being that one to kick up the fuss, if that makes sense. It's interesting that you say as well that you'd rather not, in your words, kick up a fuss because you didn't want to risk losing your qualification. And it's quite sad, isn't it, that actually uh, an organisation can have that much power over something that you think hang on a minute I can't challenge this even though it's fundamentally wrong and it's discriminatory I have too much to lose and they have the power to even stop my education journey anyway um, even though what they are doing is wrong and you are just being you and you have the training and that's actually quite shocking to hear um, in the education sector and that's I think a really important point that you've made that maybe people aren't aware of um, that yeah there even maybe things you know that are still not equal um, for males in the education sector, but it's really hard to challenge because you still don't have that power to do so. Not on your own yeah. anyway, but you never know, guys. Perhaps uh, us being together and talking about it might start a revolution. You don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And also, you know, we can't, we can't talk for all um, settings, but I'm hoping that's the minority for a lot of male practitioners and that it's, well, that it's not in their policies. That doesn't seem right to me. Um, Matt C, you've only just come out of um, training. So did you have any weird kind of questions or looks or comments because you were a male practitioner? Um, I wouldn't really say so, not very direct towards me. Um, like, yeah, like you said, I've only just started. But um, when I have worked in, say, a nursery setting, 
it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a direct like discrimination or anything like that. It was kind of the some of the staff would kind of make you know, like a silly joke about so I'm a male and they'd be careful what you're doing, you know what I mean? Hinting the silly things, which I guess are you having a job, it's like you know what I mean, it's the was there any need? And you can you know what they're hinting, you know what they're trying to say. Mm. But um other than that, no, but like at my college course, um, I'm the only the, uh, the only male out of about 60 or 70 of us. There's no one else in my entire year group. I'm the only wow. guy. Wow. So that felt a bit weird because I've had no one to say relate to for the past two years or have a, that kind of conversation with. But to be honest, I think it's kind of, I'm kind of glad I had a full class of females. It was better you take influence off them more. I think they seem to be the really good practitioners and the way they influence uh, me and the way they're talking, interacting. I take influence off of them. I think, I think they are the brill. So I wasn't yeah. too fussed about being the only guy. Yeah. And, hey, lots of girls. So. <laughs> oh, oh, here it comes. There's a little ulter, ulterior motive going on there. I see what you're doing there. Um, but it's kind of like we've talked a lot about in terms of how it's affected, you know, your experience physically. But what about mentally? Has it? Have you noticed um, the, a difference or you know kind of your thought patterns or even how you behave has that has that had an impact i'd say so yeah i guess yes like when i'm when i'm walking around say i don't know it's, it seems to be when i think of what other guys might think say like with the parents if fathers are coming they kind of they don't they might not be giving me a maybe a bit of a dirty look but i kind of feel like what do they think are they uncomfortable with it themselves because i'm maybe the only guy there there's a full team of women or it's like when i tell my friends what i'm doing I kind of feel, sadly, I feel a bit uncomfortable if I'm talking to a, a male friend. Oh, I do early years because I know what they're going to probably maybe jump to and maybe take the mick out of. Some of them will respect it and they don't mind, but you'll always get those ones where they, they'll make a joke about it and just, just yeah, kind of make you feel a bit down about yourself. And it's like in college, I remember last year, we were on the, the topic of nappy chains that we were on earlier on. One of the people there was saying how, oh, they wouldn't mind, say, me changing uh, their child, if they had a child in the future, but if it was any one other man, wow, so no, wouldn't they wouldn't allow that? Which I thought that was that kind of made me feel a bit. Would people think that of me in a sense if I'm going to go ahead and work? Yeah, yeah, which clearly in some people's cases it does happen, so it's just bound to happen, isn't it? Eventually, just waiting now. But then on the other hand, like you saying you was the only male in your college course, that will give you an advantage in the job industry mm. because to get a male oh, in yeah. YFS is quite hard yeah. and some. Like they can't advertise for males in EYFS, but I think the job market out there is looking to get more males into EYFS. I now agree. Too. Yeah, yeah. You got a USP, guys. USP. Look at that. Just for being you. How cool is that? Because it's a shocking statistic. I know I've told you guys before. I've told our listeners only three percent of EYFS practitioners are male, and I just find that really shocking. Which is why I got you guys together and to be like, hang on a minute. What what difficulties are you facing? What are the barriers? And also, what is putting off other males joining in in profession because we we need we need more representation not just because just because you're guys but we need a reflection of the society in every single classroom and that includes males and we, you know we have to beat those stereotypes don't we and i'm going to move on to that one because what kind of we want to beat stereotypes you know not just for men but for for women as well you know there is this massive stereotype for women that oh they're great in education because we're natural caregivers all of this rubbish do you know what I mean and just all of this stuff but I have also experienced when people talk about male practitioners 
And things that really shock me that I didn't think people would say nowadays, but they do. Things like, oh, it's really good to have a male practitioner in the classroom because they get it. They can have a kickabout with the lads. And my eyes just roll. I've just seen all of your eyes roll. And that's what it makes my heart sink because I'm like, these people who are making these comments are trying to be supportive of male practitioners. Their heart is in the right place. But there is still very clearly underlying stereotypes and stigmas that you still have to battle. Have any of you had experience of those kind of stereotypes? I kind of have. I wouldn't say it was much of a battle, but like quite a few years we've had single parents come in and like they've actually said, oh, you know, you do an absolute amazing job. My son, so-and-so, he looks up to you like a dad. And to me it's like, I wouldn't say it's a stereotype, but it's almost like a compliment to know that I've had that yeah. influence. But then, yeah, there is, like, the stereotype is, oh, he's a man, he'll do this with the, with the kids, he'll do this with the boys, like, you know, we'll do this with the girls. But I think, like, there shouldn't be that, like, I'll go and play with the girls, the girls will go and play with me, you know, I'll play with the boys. Exactly. You know, it's their kids at the end of the day, they don't get it. It's all learnt behaviour. Right. And that's a really good point I think you've made, especially with the whole single parent situation. It's kind of like there is still this stereotype, isn't there, that I don't know, perhaps children, more specifically boys I've found, from single parent families, there were, you know, there were people who make comments like, Oh, it's really good you need a male practitioner because they have an absent father. And that's a really kind of difficult stereotype to fight because a single parent family, there is this assumption that it's always a single mum. And if there is a single mum, it's because the dad is absent and they're not doing their job. And actually, that's not true at all. That is another stereotype that actually perhaps the relationship is broken down and it's um, mutual. Perhaps, you know, it's actually the mum that's causing the problems, but it's never assumed. It's always assumed it's the it's the dad's fault. And for some reason, you guys are supposed to be there to fill that gap. And that's kind of not okay. And, you know, I don't feel like I've had that, especially as a female practitioner. Yes, like you, Tom, I've had the, oh, they look up to you like a mum, which is, I think is a little bit different. I think it's a nice role model. And that, like you say, Tom, that is a really lovely compliment. But the expectation that you are supposed to be there to fill a gap for someone, for another male um, a male's defaults and other male's failures, assumed failures, I think is actually quite damaging. And like you say, it's learned behaviour. It's not something that children actually really think about. It's actually what the parents or other people or adults have, have put upon you, which is kind of really upsetting. So my next kind of question is, I know that you guys are all on social media, and don't worry, we will plug all of your social medias at the end, don't you worry. Um, but how has that kind of had an impact on not just your representation, but your community? Like you said, Matt C, that, you know, you kind of feel isolated and you can't really talk to other male practitioners, at least on your course. So how has um, the social media, how has that impacted? Um, I'd like to feel this one um, because I don't think it's just social media. I think it's media in general. Okay. Um, because... Obviously, when I was doing my training, I was about 20, and there was a big um, news story covered in the media, all over the news, everywhere, of a gentleman who was abusing children in his care at a nursery in Birmingham, which, because I live in Warsaw, it's only an hour away, really. So, like, it's a stone's throw away, really. And, obviously, me being a male practitioner in his 20s, 
same age as this guy and he's been found abusing children's care because um well i don't know the reasons but i know his mother was the manager so he had that access through that and he's doing his training all this that and the other i had um a colleague approaching us how do you feel about this matt and i went i don't like the guy i was like purely for a professional and personal level i don't like him straight away because he's making my job a million times harder Because then the first thing that comes up into anyone's mind when they hear male and nursery worker is that guy. Mm. Um, and we've actually had it brought up on safeguarding training. I, I really like this as well because the person conducting the safeguarding training handed everyone a piece of paper and it had on it photos of, I think it was six women. And they went, can you tell me who those are? And everyone went, no, don't have a clue of who they are. Post gave him a piece of paper with men on. Do you know who those are? I mean, yeah, he's the one who's doing that nursery and he abused them kids. Out. He was the ringleader of this ring that that woman was part of. Yeah. Um, who was taking foster children in the care. But the, practi- the person leading the course went, yeah, those women I just showed you, they were all abusers. But I find it very interesting that you only know the males. And I think that's an inherent problem with media because the media as a whole, as mass multimedia, um, I find it very easy to play into stereotypes and if they can find an easy target, they will. And not saying these males who have been abusing children in their care um, aren't actually doing this. Um, I feel like they're brought more into the limelight and they're focused more than the females who are abusers. Well, this is it, isn't it? Because there are female abusers but like you say, the power of media, it actually means we don't actually get to hear about that as often. Even media is feeding that stereotype. And like you say, it has a massive impact on your job. It has a massive impact on how people look at you and how people perceive you. And that's just, it's not okay, is it? It's just not okay. <laughs> Matt C, what were you going to say? Um, I must say, I, I, I couldn't really think of anything about the social media side, but I guess... Um... One thing came to mind. It's a again. It's on the topic of friends again. I'd suggest. I get. I get um, sorry, with social media again. Um, say when I've been with family members and whatnot. Maybe I might have got a nice photo with younger cousins, nephews, whatnot. Like I know, I know they're joking, but they would make maybe quite a, a discriminative or rude comment just because they think it's you know it's funny and they put it in the comments. I'm like people, you know, I've got friends, family, this, and you're making that comment. Mm. People see those things. I feel disgusting why you've said that it kind of puts you off i've had my own family members do that before oh wow in a being quite discriminative nothing no one in my household <laughs> somewhere else Phew, good yeah so it's a it's a weird one social media you can't i don't know you can't really get around it so it can be positives and negatives well i was going to say if you guys have actually had any positive outlooks has it connected you with other practitioners i think through instagram it's connected um a lot me with a lot of different practitioners both male and female but um there's a lot that we can share ideas get ideas through for continuous provision from planning ideas and like bringing us here today yeah no you're so right it's brought us together today through social media like and then like matt's uh, matthew's and resin business we've ordered from him so have we and that's done through our numbers like I know Tom through social media because he went through Cozy. Um, yeah, I think social media has had a good impact and it's helped me 
improve my performance. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And it also, can't, I don't want to say this is really cheesy, but it puts you on the map. It's like, yes, hello. Yeah. There are male practitioners um, out there. And look at the amazing setups that we do. Like, I'm, I am I, don't want to say that I stalk you guys on your Instagrams, but like, you just have amazing pictures, yeah. amazing setups. And it's just so nice to see a variety of different practitioners, whether you're male, female, come from different backgrounds. It doesn't matter. It's just nice to see that there is, you know, um, a variety of different um, experiences and things out there. I think it's had quite a good impact actually. Um, like I set mine up at the start of my first year doing uni, which is when like my whole school changed its environment and like the way it, the way we t- teach now, uh, we like completely redid all the environment, changed everything, and that's when I started logging it, just taking pictures, uploading, and then people were sharing. Oh, look, have you seen? Missing out this Instagram. Oh, my children go here. Have a look. This is where their classroom is, and it just seems to get bigger and bigger. And then, like recently, when I'd go and let the parents in at the end of the day, I'd get comments saying, "Oh my god, I love your Instagram page. It's so nice to see what the children are up to during the day." Um, and yeah, I think it's it is just a nice way to show off who I am, what I do, and the passion for it. Yeah, exactly. And be proud of it. And there's something really unique that you do, Tom, that the others don't. You have your own YouTube channel and you read stories. So it's it's not the fact that like social media has an impact on on like your profession or like you say, connecting with the parents as well. But you get to connect with the children, which I think is wonderful. How's that been? It's really good. Yeah, I think I set it up during one of the lockdowns. Mm. and It was for those children who I thought that don't get read to at night, who probably do just get given an iPad to be quiet so I thought you know what, at least there is something there then that they are getting to listen to um, and then I had other teachers from Instagram saying oh they're brilliant we play these in the classroom you know and I thought you know what, I hope this actually goes somewhere but then obviously went back to work got back to uni and it kind of just faded out but, um, but lately I've been asked by company cozy if i'll start creating videos for them that's amazing so i've started doing product reviews for them which will hopefully go on the account soon as well there you go look so you got another job out of it (laughs) amazing i'll just jump in on that one if that's all right oh no please do (laughs) i think it's it's interesting listening to both sides i have found it to be quite a double-edged sword at times like matt said you get so many great ideas you can find things you find um products you find companies um you get so many different things when it was lockdown post lockdown i was back at work and a, we were running a play group and a parent had come and was like i know you i know you and i was like oh nice to see you i don't know you um <laughs> but they were just bringing their child to play group and at the end they said i used your phonics during home learning with one of my older children oh. and it was really nice to see the benefit And then sort of like Matt as well said, like being picked up for things like this, I was um, chosen for an interview with a very well-known education company and it was posted and that double-edged sword came back because I was narcissistic. I was all these insults from teachers on Facebook who are supposed to be teaching their children and their classes and things to be kind, to be nice to other people. And it that was kind of the way that it, it went from that. And it was literally just about the benefits of social media and having an account on Instagram and there was YouTubers and things like that. And it really can go one of two ways. And mm. 
it's yeah it's just really interesting but i think that there's sort of um with males versus females in general with a teacher i always think there's that representation of oh female teachers are compared to miss honey and yes. oh you're lovely you're this you're that yep. but who's the male representative of that mm. or the male version of that there isn't one so mm. actually maybe we need to make one <laughs> we need to build towards it <laughs> well yeah but this is it i would also like to challenge miss honey i mean i love yeah. her but i am definitely not a miss honey i will go out with the kids i will get dirty i will play whatever game they want to do roll around in the glass like I like I love those things and you know that doesn't mean that I am not caring or nurturing or I can't do other things you know and that's exactly the same for you guys that oh you can play ruffle tumble actually I know some male practitioners that I hate going outside they'd much rather sit and do some painting with the kids I'm like great you do that because I hate painting you go and do that yes great and like you say it's you know those stereotypes that we still have to battle and like you say there's there's so there's such a lack of male practitioners you don't even have a stereotype to even go off of like this is ridiculous Uh, but also it might be helpful in a way I don't know I'm not sure but that's a really interesting point um it's like we always get um asked to carry the heavy stuff oh yes the the amount of times people have walked into my class oh can you just come and carry this for us can you just come and do this (gasps) Or, or like because you're the only if you're the only male there oh you're going on this trip this trip this trip whereas it's like well I've got a class to teach yeah and actually hang on I might have a back injury but you haven't asked me that because I'm a man yeah yeah totally get that right? I, mean, I just want to um say a little bit here um, yeah please in terms of yeah how you mentioned Shana about how you like to go outside and play and all this and um, there's been times when I've been in settings oh, and I've been the only member of staff outside because it's been raining Oh, it's been snowing and I've gone, well, I think on the one day it started to rain. So I quickly asked my boss, have we got any pair of wellies? Why? Because I, like, I want to go outside with the children. They deserve to go outside and play. But I don't want to have to come back in with soaking wet feet. Have we got some wellies? Quickly got a pair and they were like a spare pair. They were both left feet. So that was fun. <laughs> so then every day then coming out, I had wellies literally right by the door. And it's like, come on, everyone outside. And they're like, oh, but it's raining. It's like, doesn't matter. Play happens at any time. That they should be going outside in all weathers. That's what we tell the parents every day. Why right, exactly? And I'm not gonna. I'm gonna have to tell you guys as well now because this is. I I divulged this before we started press record, but I'm gonna have to tell the listeners now. I love going outside when it rains because I am a very keen gardener. I was telling the lads before what is in my garden, and I'm gonna tell you a lot as well. I've got loads of fruit, I've got veg and things like that. And rain is great for me. As soon as it starts raining, I'm like, children, let's go. But because I'm a female practitioner that probably wouldn't you know be the assumption of what I would do and I'm like no let's get out in the rain and like you say Matt M we need to go out in all weathers Peppa Pig muddy puddles is all I'm saying I'm just going to drop that don't mention Peppa Pig PTSD from (laughs) Peppa Pig I'm so sorry I'm so sorry (laughs) that's definitely something in my setting that we've sort of worked towards particularly this year with me being sort of the lead of just encouraging so I am the male, there is an apprentice that's female, there's a HLTA that's female, there's another HLTA, they're all female, but actually they all have the wellies, they all have the waterproofs, they all have the thick waterproof jackets because they see the benefits. And Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like Matthew Middleton was saying, male or female, those children do not care, they just want you to get them outside and enjoy that time in the rain, in the snow, in the sun. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. it's male or female, you just have to be prepared. It doesn't matter. 
if you haven't got spare clothes in your car, are you really an early years teacher? <laughs> just gonna just gonna put that there. Do you know what I mean? Because there are only three percent of earliest practitioners um, that are male right now, we need to change this, guys. And I want you guys to be the voice of change. What would you? What advice would you give to perhaps um, budding male EYFS practitioners? What advice would you give? Grow a thick skin. That kind of makes me sad as well as like empower- empowering. Makes me like. Mm. It's a weird thing because I've I have a group of friends that I hang out with. Few of them are in care with children, children in care. One of them was a former nursery practitioner. We all have the jokes and we all make the jokes constantly bantering with each other to the levels of if he's in the workplace it'll be a hr writer but it's a case of i can get to that and because i've had family members make horrible comments about my choice of work i've just gone i don't care it's not for you it's for me so i'd say for anyone who is wanting to get into childcare, if you're doing it for you don't care what anyone else says you are the best one for your role because it's you because mm. like i said yeah granted um men are good for playing football and all this. Um, but sometimes it takes a man's eye to come up with something that a woman wouldn't think of. No offence. Like That's why we're all different. I've come up with activities where I've gone, I'm, we've got these like little hammer, like little mallet. since some golf tees in the corner of the room, don't know why they were there. And a melon went, come on kids, we're going to go hammering. And the girls were like, oh, I wouldn't have thought that. Have you risk assessed that? Yeah. I'm making sure <laughs> they're not hitting their own fingers. That's why I'm <laughs> holding the golf tee. Hit my hand, it's fine. But like, it's a case of, Sometimes it takes a man to see what a woman can't and you're going to hear it no matter what because you could be in a really nurturing environment like in a minute I'm in a setting that is really supportive of me. It's the banter. You're going to get it. You're going to hear it. It's how you take that. Like I constantly get at my current work. um, Well, we we know you're a man, Matt. You can't multitask. Yeah, it's because I've got to focus at one thing at a time because, you know, I do it well the first time. Oh. Oh, okay. I feel like that's a very sassy comment. I'll say that as a as a bit of a banter, and that's what I think any man who gets into his line of work needs to get as well is you got to be able to take it and then flip it back, take it on the head, take it as it is, and then go, okay, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. Well, it sounds like you can clearly give it back, sir. Clearly give it back. I think just just go with it. If it's what you want, don't let anyone else you know put you off just because it's not seen as what men do it's not a man's job mm. it's why shouldn't it be mm-hmm. you know why why shouldn't you do something that you do enjoy you do love because for me when i do go to work it doesn't feel like work because i enjoy it yeah embrace it embrace everything about it and i often whether it's male female head teachers Oh, I don't know how you work down there. Some people have that view about year six, about key stage two, about yeah. secondary. Personally, I don't think I could ever step foot to teach in a secondary school, but <laughs> just embrace it, give it a go. And I think the younger children are, the more susceptible they are to whatever you're telling them, whatever you're sort of putting in front of them. They believe there's a dinosaur on the playground. They believe that somebody's been in and those Mm. footprints on the floor are from the police. And they believe that doing this and doing Mm. that is, it's real. And I think you don't get that. You lose that, unfortunately, as you go further up the schooling system. And I think it is just about embracing it, giving it a go. You will not know until you try it. But once you've tried it, you will not want to leave. (laughs) Who's next? More inspirational quotes. 
I'd say there's no such thing as a silly question. Ask members of the team, ask your college tutor or ask your EYFS lead to explain anything that you don't understand if you're not sure about. Developing a clear idea of your pedagogy Mm. will help you develop as a practitioner and become more confident. Don't let people put you down. Go for jobs. Even if there's no other males in the setting, go for those jobs and let that inspire you. And if you've taken anything from today, don't let comments put you down. If you've got a passion for early years, go for it and do what you love. Don't let people put you down. It's about you creating your own vision and progressing for your career. Preach, preach. Amen. We just did that on a poster somewhere. I think it's- Matt C, give me some. Sorry, just jumping in there. I think it's if, even if you don't have the passion for early years, that might be because it's not on your radar mm-hmm. and you need to put it on your radar and try it <laughs> and get the experience. Absolutely. And there's lots of different ways you can connect, like look at Instagram, look at look at Facebook, look at the different teachers, visit EYFS settings. There's wider than the EYFS, so it's not just teachers, there's teaching assistants, nursery nurses, there's yeah. teachers that work in hospitals. There's lots of different male jobs that you can do in EYFS. It's not just teaching. And I think that's shown here today, like there's people that have gone into teaching, teaching assistants and do what you love mm. and do it for the love of doing it. My turn. <laughs> um, I'd say there's no point lying. There is always going to be negatives in any workplace. But if it's something you aspire to be, you shouldn't allow people's thoughts, opinions and views to block that pathway that you want to follow. It is truly amazing. I think people will enjoy it. You shouldn't limit yourself due to other people. I think you should just go for it. I love it. I love it. Okay, this is a a bit of an ad lib here, guys, but I just really want to end on a high. You guys are so inspiring. Tell me your favourite thing about being a male EYFS practitioner. Creating an early years environment based on strong relationships and well-being, making sure it's full of curiosity and inspiring the children. I think it's my favourite thing is that I just have a different perspective to pretty much everyone else in school. We've got like over 120 staff and I think there's seven males and only two of us are teaching staff. So it's kind of like, yeah, I see things differently. And then all the rest of like the women are like, oh, actually, yeah, I like that idea. Oh, you know, that's brilliant. And I think, yeah, it's just being able to think differently and have and do things differently, get a different connection with the children as well. Then My favourite thing is literally just getting to spend time with children um sorry my tip i'll just go on mine is the playing (laughs) that is that is staying in i'm having that if you don't mind matthew that's fine okay thank you (laughs) um but this is exactly the thing um obviously working with the five and unders moments like that makes it the best thing about it because it's just brilliant and plus like i've said like i am the one person who will go oh i'm going to go do this activity like for example um i think when it was mother's day we was on about having a mother's tea party and having nail painting and i went so i'm doing nail painting (laughs) then girls yeah and the girls looked at me like you can paint nails matt i was like well you thinking i can't (laughs) paint nails and they kind of go well "Mm, knowing you matt you probably could paint nails Mm -hmm. really well i can't at all but I'd have a darn good go. Um, that's basically just me. Being present with the children. Mm. Um, we had our that dreaded O visit <gasps> at the start of spring oh, one. Man. So 
and I think since then there was just almost like a dynamic shift and you just were able, you weren't constantly in that pressure zone and that cooker of we've got to make sure we're doing this and we've got to make sure this and that has to be observed and that has to be on there and just being able to immerse in what the children are doing and we like whether it's there's aliens in the yurt well let's go and find them let's invite them into the classroom there is plants to plant there is also just being fully present with the children and being able to sit down and engage in their world because it's a lot more fun than ours <laughs> it is indeed yeah yeah um James, i'd say it's just the pure happiness you get out of it you work you walk into the, the classroom and it's just it's always positive thoughts and everything that's happening the children are obviously very open-minded <laughs> they'll they'll let you know and say whatever they want which i find great though it's you, there's proper amusement out of it i think it's, it's just a brilliant environment to be in really lifts your spirits i agree i concur to all of the above thank you <laughs> So what we do for all of our guests at the end uh, is we play a little game just to get to know you guys a bit more. Okay, it's called Teacher Would You Rather. Are you prepared, gentlemen? Because there are some hard hitting questions. (laughs) All right, okay, first one. Are you ready for this? All right. Would you rather tea or coffee? Tea. Coffee. Coffee. Gotta have a cup of tea. Oh, we're split. (sighs) Neither. (laughs) Neither? Oh, elaborate, please, sir. Hot drinks are a no, no. (laughs) (gasps) Tea is life, why? And now that I've turned 30, I will ask my staff like that. I work with my colleagues, they'll come in and they'll say, oh, do you want a drink? I'll be like, yeah, I'll have a tea. It's still there at the end of the day. It just doesn't (laughs) get drunk. (laughs) It's not for me. (laughs) So your staff are going to listen to this and be like, oh, okay. And they're just going to stop asking you now. Yeah, they've worked it out already, but they still ask because otherwise I'm just like, where's mine? (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave me out. (laughs) FOMO, hot drink FOMO. That's weird. Okay. Round two of uh, Teacher Would You Rather. Would you rather teach on a rainy day or a snow day? Oh, snow day. Snow day. Oh, rain. Right? (laughs) Guys, it's a rain day. Who? No, snow. No, thank you. Come on. Rainy day because um first thing I'll do as soon as I get in the morning, bottle of paint, bottle of bubble bath, chuck it straight in. <laughs> and then the children come out and it's red, blue bubbles everywhere. Who doesn't think that sounds like a good time? Red. Does sound rather good. <laughs> when the nurse children come in and they've never seen snow before and it starts snowing and then you're up the windows and you can make snowmen or go outside and show them how to make snow angels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great, but like 10 minutes later it turns to sludge guys and the mud is there i just i'm not down i'm not down but it's part of being in the learning experience at that time don't worry about 10 minutes later (laughs) it might be for you it might be for you matt s but for me certainly not i mean it's what how long is it 19 degrees outside and i've still got i've got a blanket all right it's not happening i don't like the cold i don't like being cold the end during lockdown i was given my own class with another ta and we had really bad snow. Oh. So we thought, you know what, scrap the phonics, scrap the maths. I took my sledges in from home and we took the kids over the field on the sledges. Oh. And I think they got more out of that than sitting down in a classroom trying 100%. to concentrate on, you know, phonics. I think I'd like to join. Okay, I'm not a big fan of snow, but I think I'd join <laughs> that one. That sounds great fun. See, I have to think technically. Is oh. it a snow day to the point of... Snow day, school is closed. Ah. Then I'm choosing a snow day. (laughs) That is true. Or is it a rainy day? Because nobody just wants to 
be in the rain really for a long time, do they? I stand corrected. <laughs> I think I love it. But I make your point. But the thing is, I think as well, I think because of COVID and this online virtual learning thing now, is there such thing as an actual snow day anymore, guys? I don't think there is. I think that's like in the past now. <laughs> Shh, that's not that's going on anymore. <laughs> Oh, right. Sorry. I'll cut that out. I'll cut that out. All right. Round three, third and final round of teacher. Would you rather? Would you rather never have to tidy the creative area ever again or never have to sweep up the sand area? Never have to sweep up the sand. Oh, oh yeah. Creative, creative area. area. Creative area, yeah. Why? Why? Oh, the, sand's the sand's easy to sweep up. Oh, it hurts my back. I can't be bothered by all that bending down. Same. The children do it. Oh. <laughs> If the children are just panning brush <laughs> and they're aware. They've got an authority complex at that point. They're like, I've got the just panning brush. Get out of my way. <laughs> yeah, my mum as well. Mine will just rat <laughs> each other. We'll have Star Wars in the classroom. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And your thing is with creative area as well, dry glue, PVA glue on the table. I No, bane of my life. I think I'm split on this one. Yeah, but peeling it off and getting that texture. Oh, you're one of those, are you? Do you peel your skin? You're one of those, aren't you? You used to dip it in your hand when you were actually in school and just peel it off. You just have to make a really good friends with the cleaning staff. (laughs) Yes. You must tell me your secrets. I have a great relationship with mine because there is glitter everywhere, every day. So they're like, oh, it's tidy today. And I'm like, "Mm." Oh, the well, cleaners will ask us to leave the glue so they can peel it off because they like the peeling. <laughs> and then they get the satisfaction. Okay, that those are some interesting cleaners. I really want to meet them. They sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> we are the cleaners well, at this my is setting. It. We, we are the ones yeah. who clean. So it's our like, next doesn't podcast. <laughs> cleaners versions of EYFS. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to give a whole episode to say sorry to all the cleaners in EYFS for the absolute state that they have to do at the end of the day. I like that idea. I like that idea. <laughs> well, thank Thanks for playing um, our game of Teacher Would You Rather. I can safely say we've learned quite a lot about you. Things are very interesting now. I feel like I know you all in a very deep, in, you know, kind of intimate way that I'm not sure I'm happy with, but it's done now. <laughs> um, to end our amazing podcast and just to celebrate you guys and just to thank you for so much for coming on and being really honest about your experiences and sharing. Um, please tell us where we can follow you because if you haven't already guys they're on Instagram, Facebook, some of us are even on YouTube, Tom reads these really cute stories on YouTube, you have to go and check them out um, so please plug your social media handles, where can we see you in action <laughs> My platforms to find everything I do is at Mr Noakes underscore teaching journey and I'll be on Instagram and YouTube We'll be checking out those stories that you read, they're amazing Tom Who's next? I'll go next. I am on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Mr underscore C underscore classroom. And I'm on Facebook as well. And it's just at Mr C classroom. And can you please tell us about your resin? Because that's amazing also. Of course. I have resin products, key rings, numbers, (laughs) alphabets. Yeah, you can find them on there. (laughs) There you go. And please get them. They're amazing. Thanks. (laughs) I'm on Instagram with EYFS underscore Mr S. The tension is killing me, I'll guys. Go next. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram as uh, I've got MattChat004 and I've got uh, Mr. Chatburn underscore EYFS. So, you know, I'm really easy because every single social media platform I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, 
um, Xbox PS Plus, everything. <laughs> it's just the Mafasp. So it's capital T H E. No, sorry, capital T H E, capital M F A S P. Okay, so good thing I'm writing them down in the in the description. I'll make sure I write all these down so people <laughs> just like click. I'll make sure no one's missing out on any of you guys. Don't you worry. Could I do a little plug for something else? Oh, hello. Depends. See if it makes um, the edit. Try. Well, it's my wife's crochet shop. Oh, okay, you can totally plug that. Tell me more. Um, it's Midwinter Witch Crochet on Instagram, Facebook, and Etsy. Um, she makes loads of really good stuff. Not just because it's my wife. And she's sat in the room <laughs> next to me and has things at her disposable to throw at me. Um, like a dagger, if you don't mention her, is that what's there? No, there may be scissors, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Okay, he's in a very tricky um, position. No, no, it's just because currently she's working on a tea cosy for my work. Um, because I've asked her for a tea cosy uh, for the Jubilee. Oh, that's and I've adorable. Gone, yeah, yeah, she can totally do that. And now she's stressing because she's got like four days to do it oh can you when you do it can you please take a picture oh yeah so of course i mean she makes really good stuff and um she takes commissions and stuff amazing anyone else got anything they want to plug any side businesses side hustles uh i also make resin creations shut up yeah oh you got competition joke's brilliant um guys it's been so fun thank you so much for joining me and i re- i just i know our listeners are really going to benefit whether they're male or female it doesn't matter does it or anything in between non-binary you are just people in the industry that are sharing your experiences and it's really important to give your voice a platform because as we said that rather shocking um statistic from before only three percent of eyfs practitioners at the moment are male and hopefully after this episode that percentage might go up hopefully we'll see exactly um amazing thank you so much guys have a wonderful day and we'll speak to you soon see you soon thank you see you soon bye bye So there you have it. That is the end of our episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. It was really fun recording with them. Um, And I hope it sparks a conversation and also sparks some action for us to look at our settings and think about how we can support our current male practitioners, if we have any, or how we can invite more. Early Years is all about inclusion and diversity, isn't it? And it doesn't just stop there. How are we creating a welcoming environment for non-binary, transgender, a variety of ethnic diverse backgrounds and experiences? So I look forward to carrying on this conversation in further episodes. But for now, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you've listened to today, please make sure that you give us a rating. Don't forget to press the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss on the next episode and share it with your friends. We have been so overwhelmed with the reaction that the podcast has got so far. It's been so successful. So that's down to you. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'll see you around. So that's it from today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to get involved or would like to know more, Come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
Pinterest and TikTok account. All of the details will be in the description. And whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great day today.